Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. You know, uh, Jack and I were just talking about a couple of things. And, and uh, one of the toughest things, and, and it's sad because it shouldn't be tough, and that is uh, love. It's hard sometimes uh, to love people. And, uh, of course, Jesus is our best example because God is love, right? Um, In Matthew, he says to his disciples, um, don't let your love grow cold. Uh, In the last days, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm uh, to the end will inherit a crown of life. Um, Pretty sure I botched that, but you get the gist of it. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, the woman at the well. Um, and I'm going to read t- to you uh, just a little blog that I wrote a few years ago just to chew on some some hard things, I think, about love when, you know, it shouldn't be hard, but it just is. Um, I think it's the hardest thing of all to do because uh, we are so unloving sometimes and we are unlovely sometimes. Um had a preacher friend, and he was a bit of a jokester. So he didn't mean this in any way, shape, or form. He was just trying to be funny. But uh, he would say, I know that hate is not legal. God does not will us to hate. But if he ever does, I got a couple picked out. Just oh, ready. No. <laughs> and then he would ha, 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 and laugh. Just kidding. But uh, the point is made, right? right. We in our weakness as humans... Uh, yes, we are supposed to love everyone, and we, oh, I don't know, not really flippantly, but maybe arrogantly or some kind of way, we spout the fact that, oh, I love everyone. Well, do we? Mm-hmm. And uh, do we express our love to everyone? And do we have compassion for the least of these and for those that we disagree with and those that uh, don't act the way we want them to right. or don't really aren't like us? Right. It's kind of difficult sometimes. You know, um, just a few weeks ago uh, from, from when we were recording this, uh, we celebrated Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, Memorial Day, um, we're remembering the, the men who've died sacrificing themselves for the sake of our country. And in Romans 5, uh, it you know, we've talked about this before, but it, Paul says... You know, it's rare that someone would give their life for a good right. person. Okay? But here's Jesus. And he demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. Christ died He for died us. for us. He died for us. That's his nature. His nature is to love. That's the nature that I want in me. And his death is the only way that we can change and be made different, that yeah. we can be transformed. Uh, because he died for us doesn't necessarily mean that he accepted all of our ways, but he certainly accepts us in spite of the fact that we are obviously sinners fallen short of the glory of right. God. I think the, the important thing for me there is that, you know, Jesus affirms me, okay? But he doesn't affirm everything about me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't affirm everything that I do, every wicked thought that I have. Um, But he affirms me. And why? Because 
I'm his. He created me. Yeah, amen. Yeah. So, so John, did you ever play the game Yahtzee? Well, yeah. Okay, so probably most everybody out there has played Yahtzee. So I have the distinct privilege of being able to watch my four grandchildren from my daughter uh, this week while they're out of town at a wedding. And uh, so I'm trying to do quiet uh, games that don't take any energy and allow grandpa to sit down and be comfortable. <laughs> so I got out the Yahtzee game and started to teach seven, two eights, and a 10 how to play Yahtzee and the strategy behind it and those kinds of things. And um, they figured out what a Yahtzee was and they would roll a couple of the dice and they would be two ones and they would say, I'm going for a Yahtzee. And I would say, no, you don't really go for a Yahtzee. You go for other things that you think you can get, and then maybe you get lucky and the, the dice roll out. But uh, one of the things that, that happened was I noticed one wanted to have the tendency to reach up and kind of touch the dice oh, and roll yeah. it over yeah. and then proclaim, <laughs> I got a Yahtzee. So Grandpa had to say, no, we don't play that way, and um, I can't play with anyone that, you know, would do that because that's untruthful and, and we don't want to be untruthful. And, and so lo and behold, yesterday, the little seven-year-old got three, four Yahtzees in one game. I've never seen oh, wow. that my whole life. Little girl got four after that. And then today, the next one up got four Yahtzees in a the game. These kids are rolling Yahtzees like it's no tomorrow. So I don't know, maybe they've made a deal with somebody get it. But the point is, grandkids are great, but it's not great to cheat, mm -hmm. to not be truthful, right? to try to move the game your way, might not be honest about it. And then if you're losing, throw up your hands and say, I quit. Yeah. So you're trying to, to, to teach children truths about how to be a better person and sometimes I look around in the world and I'm seeing some pretty poor examples from a lot of adults who aren't teaching anybody how to be a better person and be a person in the image of Christ, but are just trying to kind of move the dice, turn them just a little bit to their best interest, no matter what it does to the other person in this life that we're living. So I don't know if that fit anything whatsoever. No, I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah, we're, we're all vulnerable. We're all fallen. Um, but we're, you know, we're all objects of his love. But there will be a time when uh, some of us become objects of his wrath. Mm -hmm. um, and God's mercy is, is holding that wrath back at the, at the present. And well, I think one of the, I'm sorry, but no, I, think, I think one of the, one of the things that I was raised in as, as I was raised through church, many years ago was the balance of um, the telling someone or, or being truthful about the possibility of where we wind up if we do not place our faith in Christ. Sure. You can say the word hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> uh, but trying to balance that, you know, with, uh, with, um, you know, God's grace and make sure that people know that they are accepted and loved fully by God. Right. But 
He is in the business of transforming us, changing us, not leaving us in our sinful state. Right. So. Right. Well, I'm going to read this. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not talking about this kind of thing to raise any kind of controversy. Um, but controversy has a tendency to raise itself. And, uh, you know, Jesus, probably more than any other figure in human history, raised controversy because he wanted to love people. And his love and his demands um, and his judgments against the religious leaders of his day, honestly, ultimately wound up in his crucifixion, hmm. his, his murder. Um, but he's Hypocrites God. don't like to be called out and right. told that they're hypocrites. <laughs> but he's God and he rose from the dead. You know, you can't stop that kind of no. love and that kind of power. So anyway, again, not my intent, but I want to read this. Um, you've probably heard the phrase, love the sinner, but hate the sin. Unfortunately, it's nearly impossible to keep that straight. And it's too easy to let some of that hate for sin bleed over onto the sinner. Over the years, I've become more and more convinced of two things. First, I don't know everything. In fact, the older I get and the more wisdom I gain, the more I realize I don't have all the answers. I don't even know all the questions. Second, I'm convinced that our Savior knows all the questions, holds all the answers, yet he loves us anyway. Billy Graham is quoted saying, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. When the patient is crashing, no one judges how they fell into their current condition. They only respond with immediate action. Healthcare providers listen intently to every word, every sign, every monitor, every stat lab, and they respond with one thought, save this life. When someone is heartbroken, feeling forgotten or abused, lonely, unsure, or just trying to figure out the answers or grappling for hope, there is no time to judge, no time to ruminate, only time to listen to the signs that scream for hope for a chance to live. Too often we want to take a stand, but too often taking a stand is like refusing to initiate treatment because the patient brought this overdose on themselves. They smoked themselves into a heart attack or drank themselves into liver failure. Does it matter? Do doctors and nurses stop what they're doing because the patient doesn't deserve it? Instead of taking a firm stand, what if we sit down with people meet them where they are, and listen. What if we choose to love the sinner and hate our own sin? Jack, I'd like to jump from that into just talking about the woman at the well. Um, you know, that's the, that's the first time that Jesus doesn't say to somebody after he's spoken to them, uh, hey, don't go tell anybody. Mm. You know, and it's also one of the first encounters where, aside from talking to the disciples, where he's talking to somebody um, and it's not a healing. Um, so what's what's different about that encounter that relates to what we just talked about here? Well, she was she was a quote 
known sinner. Yeah. Um, and she was um, known by all the men in the town. She, uh, according to Jesus, had five husbands in her lifetime. And uh, the one that she was currently living with, Jesus said, was not her legal husband. She hadn't gotten married. And so she was kind of abusing, you know, that right. And um, it was costing her um, friends. And it was making her lonely because she was coming to the well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, when most of the women came in the early morning before the hot sun arose and uh, did it in the cool of the day. But she came alone. And it's kind of sad mm-hmm. that uh, a woman that needed as much as she needed had no one, really. And uh, so she encounters Jesus, who actually um, uses her as the mouthpiece to share the gospel about him to her whole city. Because when she went back, she knew a lot of people and she was excited to tell them how much Jesus knew about her and how I believe in spite of that, he did not condemn her, but he offered her salvation and hope. So, you know, today uh, we have a lot of very flagrant sin, according to the Bible, in this world. And I don't think you can relegate it to one particular thing. There's all kinds of sin. It's myriads of sins. And uh, we can't proudly, I use the term, uh, flaunt sin. Mm. Um, That won't reap a good reward in the eyes of God. You'll miss a tremendous blessing at best, or at at least. Right. So, yeah. So I think she... She, you know, she at least responded in a pretty positive way to him when she finally realized that he was genuinely loving her and offering her something that she could base her life on. You know, I think one of the things that sticks to me, it kind of burns into me uh, about this story is, um, you know, we've met with, with, with Stephanie Jeffers from Grid Into Grace, and uh, we've we've done some things to work with them and help out their ministry and um, you know for those that don't know it, they're reaching out to um, women who are in the sex industry or coming out of the sex industry or have come out of it um, who are, are just wanting to find some peace and hope and and uh, feel like they belong um, and here's the thing this lady like you said she's going to the well in the middle of the day um, in part because of her own feelings of of shame and guilt um, and just faux feelings perhaps yeah well and just not wanting the confrontation that that might happen or or this the staring eyes or the the gossip or whatever it is just easier to just right it's just easier Um, and, and that's the part that works on my heart when it comes to these kind of of issues when we're talking about sin and when we're talking about people, um, we tend to, to look at this kind of stuff from a big overview kind of perspective. And um, I really admire that the way Jesus approached this was not to go and stand in front of a large assembly and speak over a bunch of people, but no, he saw one woman. And he didn't see her shame. 
He didn't see her guilt. Um, I mean, he knew those things were there, obviously, but what he saw was her. He saw her heart and he saw the field that was ready for harvest because here's a woman who wanted to know him because what does she ask about? She's talking about how to worship. You know, she said, well, you Jews say that we need to worship in Jerusalem, you know, but our people worship on this mountain. Uh, what do you say? And uh, and that's when Jesus talks to her about the living water and then reveals himself as God's anointed. He's the Messiah, uh, the one that's come to save. And this interesting concept of worshiping in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit mm-hmm. and in truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't have all the answers. Um, I don't even want to pretend to have all the answers. Um, but what I do have... Um, is I have a desire inside me to have the heart that Jesus has for people. Um, Even if that means being vulnerable, um, and not only that, but being vulnerable to cancellation. Um, I can't think of a stronger way to cancel somebody in your culture than to drag them naked with a cross flog them 40 times and then nail them to that cross and stick it in the ground and wait for them to die. That's what you call getting canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and if Jesus is willing to put himself on the line to show how much he loves uh, people, um, I guess I'm vulnerable to that. Um, You know, it's a heavy thing because it shouldn't be hard to love, but it just feels like it is. Well, I do. I think it's one of the hardest things in the world to do because, um, (laughs) I mean, from this standpoint. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if you love somebody, eventually they're going to disappoint you. You're going to be disappointed or there's going to be misunderstandings, um, all kinds of things in relationships. And, and what we have to learn from Jesus is that we don't let those things come in and block our love for those people. Right. And, uh, you know, to, to, to work through that and to, to take the higher road and, um, you know, to um, be willing and ready to forgive, uh, not just um, uh, hold some impossible stipulation over someone, never do that again. You know, well, you know, do my best. But sometimes we fail. Sometimes we fall. Um, certainly, if you know anyone who's unfortunately been gripped in the, the, the addiction of alcohol or drugs or any other kind of addiction, that addiction is so powerful in their life that they fall again and again and again to the place that eventually, you know, some of the people that really love them and part of their family will hands off a little bit rather than be taken again, you know, and used again. And, and so it, it, there's all of these issues to me that are very, very difficult um, and, and make it very hard uh, in some cases. Right. And, and it, it's sometimes when you're talking about addiction, um, the love there, what part of what becomes difficult there is when you're trying to help them, you got to know if what you're doing is helping or not. Yeah. 
because True. there's a big difference between helping and enabling. Enabling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when the parents pull back when it's when it's hands off and you know there's not necessarily an open door but there's an invitation and you can knock on the door. Mm. Um, I know of a, a young man who um, the mother told him, um, I'm not doing this again. When she mm. showed up for the third time after an overdose, she said, you're not welcome uh, in our house mm -hmm. um, until you are sober because I'm not going to do this again. And, um, it was her heartbrokenness and she didn't have a lack of love. She still loved her son very much. She loved him to the point that she couldn't abide watching him on the brink of death uh, or thinking of seeing him die. And here's the thing. Um, had she kept on showing up and bailing him out and being there, I don't think he would have hit that place where he realized he's, at rock bottom, you know, people and may not like some of the th it. some of the things the Bible says, oh, but yeah. sometimes it says it. And there were times in the scriptures where uh, the Bible literally says that people were turned over to the devil uh, so that they would be brought to repentance. Yeah, and of course that's going to be an extreme, you know, situation. But uh, you know, I've said a lot of people come to Jesus in prison. Because oh, yeah. sometimes it's when you get hit flat on your back and the only place you can look is up that you finally see him and the change can be made. And uh, Jesus said it's so important that we repent, that we turn to him, that it'd be better to go into heaven with one eye than to have your eye offend you and keep you out of heaven. So, you know, he said those kinds of things and people were so shocked by it, but he's making a point that, you know, the things of this world are nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. And it's worth whatever it will take for us to make the changes, allow Christ to make the changes in our life and in us, you know, that we um, ensure our faith and our belief, right, in, in him. So, yeah. so you, can't, you can't come to Jesus on your terms. You must come on his terms and his terms are not. Uh, you get to stay the same and uh, keep your sin and continue in it and call it something else and uh, then say you're pleasing to him. I just don't think it works that way. I think it's important, too, to understand that, uh, you know, we are not the vine. No. He is. And so how we produce the kind of fruit that we should is to abide in him. Just connected to the vine. Right. You just got to be connected to him. You know, none of us honestly can pr produce any good fruit of our own accord because we've got to be part of him. Yep. We've got to be part of who he is. Um, and that's a daily need. Um, we used to have a, a, an elder at our church growing up, um, Chester Martin. That was his name. And, um, he's passed on into glory now. And, um, uh, he used to say something almost every time he gave a communion meditation that always stuck with me. You know, those things seem trite and redundant when you're a kid, you know, but then you remember them. True. And uh, he, he would say something to the effect that um, the only reason to be here at this table today to take this communion is because you have a desperate need hmm. for Christ. And, uh, 
And the reality is we all have a desperate need for Christ. We just don't all see it. We just don't all see it. So when you're trying to love the person who doesn't see their desperate need, I pray God gives you the wisdom, the compassion, the things to do, the words to say, the person to be in that moment uh, so that you can be like Jesus with the woman at the well, um, so that you can see them for the child of God that he sees them as, and so that you can love them even if you don't get love in return. And that's the real challenge of our faith today because the love of most will grow cold if, ha if it hasn't already grown cold. Um, and I just encourage you to keep your love alive, stay close to Jesus, understand the sacrifice that he made, and be willing to lay down your life for him as well. Yeah. Thanks for watching, guys. I hope that we've been an inspiration to you, and I hope that we truly do help you to keep focused on Him.